Well, greetings this morning. It's great to see you. It is, um, it is a privilege to me as well, and uh, something I'm very excited about. About uh, two years ago, I was in my Bible reading, reading in the Old Testament, and as sometimes would be the case, a message would appear there. Uh, just a very clear word from the Lord, and so... Uh, I've, I actually started on the message that I'm preaching this morning two years ago, and I'm still working on it, and there's probably some things I could do different. We'll find out as we go along, but um, we're going to do something a little different this morning, actually. They say that necessity is the mother of invention, and so out of necessity, uh, I have invited my wife to be a part of the message today and do some reading for me. The necessity is, if I were to read it, well, let me put it this way. If she reads it, we will probably be out for lunch today. But if I read it, be Christmas before we're through. So, uh, And this isn't a Christmas message. So um, she's going to help me, and I am, I'm delighted at that. She was a little bit troubled by it, I think, at first. She was quick to say, well, yeah, if you need me. Um, but, you know, she, she and I have been going to church for uh, 49 years and five weeks. And she is, she's been with me all the way. Now, when I... I got married, I was, I was told something that nowadays is pretty unpopular, but the Bible says that the wife is a helpmeet. That's the King James translation, a helpmeet. And um, I know that wives like to be helpful in a lot of different ways, but she particularly has been a help uh, as a mother, as a grandmother now, and uh, continually from the very beginning of God's call on my life. It had sort of a special meaning because I've always thought of that word help me as a perfect word for me to understand that she's there to help me meet my obligations. In other words, whatever God has called me to do, I need help. And she has helped, as I said, in many, many ways so this morning, she's going to be the reader. It's going to be a little bit of uh, coming and going because uh, I, I, want, I want you to get the whole text of this. And now don't be alarmed, but this is three chapters in the Bible. All right, so we're going to get our reading in today. And what she reads, quite frankly, is more important than what I say. So... Uh, I, I appreciate her being willing to do that. Uh, I'm going to ask her to read out of the book of Second Chronicles, and we're going to begin in chapter 14 at the first verse. And so as, as she reads, if you read along in your Bible, I think that'll be good for you. But let's see what God is going to say to all of us today together. 
Okay, Second Chronicles 14, and we'll read the whole chapter. So Abijah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. And Asa his son reigned in his stead. In his days the land was quiet ten years. And Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. For he took away the altars of the strange gods and the high places, and brake down the images and cut down the groves, and commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers, and to do the law and the commandment. Also, he took away out of all the cities of Judah the high places and the images, and the kingdom was quiet before him, and he built fenced cities in Judah. For the land had rest, and he had no war in all those years, because the Lord had given him rest. Therefore, he said unto Judah, Let us build these cities and make about them walls and towers, gates and bars, while the land is yet before us. Because we have sought the Lord our God, we have sought him, and he hath given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. And Asa had an army of men that bare targets and spears out of Judah, 300,000, and out of Benjamin that bare shields and drew bows, 204 score thousand. All these were mighty men of valor. And there came out against them Zerah, the Ethiopian, with an host of a thousand thousand and three hundred chariots, and came unto Marisha. Then Asa went out against him, and they set the battle in array in the valley of Zephatha at Marisha. And Asa cried unto the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee, and in thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art our God, let not man prevail against thee. So the Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. And Asa and the people that were with him pursued them unto Gerar, and the Ethiopians were overthrown that they could not recover themselves, for they were destroyed before the Lord and before his host. And they carried away very much spoil, and they smote all the cities round about Gerar. For the fear of the Lord came upon them, and they spoiled all the cities, for there was exceeding much spoil in them. They smote also the tents of cattle and carried away sheep and camels in abundance and returned to Jerusalem. All right. I'm calling, for my purpose anyway, the first portion of this message, Asa's Great Start. Asa was a young man when he became king of Judah. His father had been king, and upon his passing away, Asa was crowned king. And it was a great start. It's a great start because the Bible says so. In the scripture, I think it's in verse 2 of that chapter, it says, And Asa did that which was good and right in the sight of God. Don't know exactly where he got his frame of mind and his spiritual sense, but uh, obviously as we see his life, God has done a work in his life, and he has faith in God. And the result of that faith is good things. When he comes on the scene, uh, he is burdened because of all the idols that are in the land. And so he goes about trying to rid the land of all of the idols that he can find and And he just makes that a 
a priority in his life. Well, then as a result of that, he sees something that we all need to understand, and that is when you follow God, there are good things that happen. And when you don't follow God, there are some bad things that happen. Now, there's, that seems like a little bit of a cause and effect relationship. Some people don't see it that way. And, and I think, honestly, sometimes we get mixed up a little bit in church life with the idea of prosperity and God carrying out His manner of working with us. When I say prosperity, uh, you're familiar with the prosperity gospel, which in a part is true. There is a prosperity. The scripture even, even that Vana uh, read a moment ago tells us that, uh, that Asa proclaimed that we have sought the Lord. And as a result of that, God has rewarded us. And so they began to build. They built houses. They built buildings. They built roads. Things were prosperous because God put his blessing on their life. Now, when God does that, it's wonderful. When men try to come up with some kind of a plan to make that happen, it goes awry. Because if if we're not careful, we take advantage of some of people's weaknesses for money and for things and bigger houses and all of that. And uh, and that, that just skews everything. But here's what the Scripture says. In fact, if you go back or forward... Uh, to the to the book of uh, Hebrews, and in the the eleventh chapter, the sixth verse, a very important verse to understand about our relationship with God. He that comes to God must first of all believe that He is. So that's the start right there. You're not going to get very far if you don't believe that there is a God. So if you've been paying attention to the stars. And um, the uh, the universe and the beauty of the earth that God made us, and your heart's been warmed up to the idea there must be someone out there that's making this, and you come to the conclusion with the Spirit of God's help that yes, there is a God. If you come to that conclusion, then you're ready for the next step. First of all, it must believe that God is. And that he's the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. His rewards are good rewards. They may not be everything that you want in this life, but the greatest reward of all, of course, is eternal life. To not have eternal life is the greatest loss you can ever have. But not only do we need to wait for heaven... But while we're here, he does wonderful, wonderful things as we trust him and walk with him in this life. And that's what we could see in Asa's life. He was experiencing that himself. Well, then one day there came a test to his understanding about God. Someone came and delivered the message that a An army had been spotted, and they're on their way towards our country. It was the Ethiopian army, 
And Asa must have thought to himself, well, one of the things I know that I've been doing is preparing for war. In fact, he had a half of a million men ready to go and fight in battle. So uh, as they made their way to the battlefield, I can just in my mind imagine them coming to the crest of a hill. And as they rise, come to the rise in that crest, they look over and they see that army below in the valley, ready for battle. And they may have estimated, but the Bible tells us that there were a million people and 300 chariots. Well, that's, that's two to one. And he didn't run. He didn't um, complain. But the Bible says that he prayed. And he cried out to the Lord. Scripture records it. He cried out to the Lord God and said, Lord, it is nothing for you to help whether there are many or there are those who have no power. For you are our God. And in your name we go against this multitude. That's pretty strong faith right there. Just a prayer. Lord, here's the way I see it. Here's the way I understand you. That whether there's a large army to fight or just two or three people, it's all the same to you. You're not limited in your power. That's what he understood about God and put his faith in God. And sure enough, as was read, the battle was over fairly quickly. The Ethiopian army was on the run. And as as Asa's army chased them, they picked up the spoils and were blessed all the more for it. It was a great start for the young king. But there came a warning and a promise. And let's hear about that now. And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of Oded. And he went out to meet Asa and said unto him, Hear ye me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while ye be with him, and if ye seek him, he will be found of you. But if ye forsake him, he will forsake you. Now for a long season Israel hath been without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. But when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him, he was found of them. And in those times there was no peace to him that went out nor to him that came in, but great vexations were upon all the inhabitants of the countries. And nation was destroyed of nation and city of city, for God did vex them with all adversity. Be ye strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. And when Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Oded the prophet, he took courage and put away the abominable idols out of all the land of Judah and Benjamin and out of the cities which he had taken from Mount Ephraim and renewed the altar of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord. 
And he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and the strangers with him out of Ephraim and Manasseh and out of Simeon, for they fell to him out of Israel in abundance when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. So they gathered themselves together at Jerusalem in the third month in the fifteenth year of the reign of Asa. And they offered unto the Lord the same time of the spoil which they had brought, seven hundred oxen and seven thousand sheep. And they entered into a covenant to seek the Lord God of their fathers with all their heart and with all their soul, that whosoever would not seek the Lord God of Israel should be put to death, whether small or great, whether man or woman. And they swear unto the Lord with a loud voice and with shouting and with trumpets and with cornets, and all Judah rejoiced at the oath. For they had sworn with all their heart and sought him with their whole desire, and he was found of them, and the Lord gave them rest round about. And also concerning Maacah, the mother of Asa the king, he removed her from being queen because she had made an idol in a grove. And Asa cut down her idol and stamped it and burnt it at the brook Kidron. But the high places were not taken away out of Israel. Nevertheless, the heart of Asa was perfect all his days. So a prophet came to um, Asa with this promise and this warning. That is... Long as you seek me, you will find me. But when you don't seek after me, you will not find me. One of the things I noticed in my reading was that there was the presence of the word with. And that's also said, Asa, as long as you are with me, I am with you. So it was a It was a word to lead Asa to pick up the pace a little bit. One of the things that he wanted to do with the people is to make a covenant, a new, fresh covenant. I would call it a time of renewal. Because in that covenant, they all covenanted to put away their idols that had recollected. And... uh get a fresh start on trusting this God with all of their needs, with all their life. In fact, it was such a dramatic thing that it was in the covenant and under God's instruction that those who are not willing to abide by the covenant would be killed. Well, there's not a lot of religious freedom there. I know it doesn't sound that way, but... But God was serious about taking care of a problem that was persisting in Judah. And I want to talk to you about that a little bit. This idea of idolatry. Bible tells us there in the, in the passage that they had images, idols, they, uh, they had groves. They had high places. All of these were a part of the worship. And where that came from was from the outside, the immigration of people after warfare. People would come into the country, take up residence there. They would bring their idols with them. And 
Idolatry has a way of spreading. And so it was the purpose of Asa to do something about that. In fact, he, some would say, maybe went a little overboard, but if you were caught what Miss Vonna read, that he, he also dealt with his mother or grandmother. I, I say or because she was actually both. You read, I think, mother. But the reason why we know that she was also a grandmother was because, well, Ace's mother, birth mother, passed away when he was pretty young. And um, she had been the queen mother. But when she passed off the scene, the grandmother became the new queen mother. And she was guilty of her own kind of a idolatry. In this particular case, she had a grove. A grove was a group of trees. Uh, I, I'm sure that sometimes they were planted for that purpose. Maybe a grove of trees was found and uh, was used for that purpose. But it was a place of gathering where people could come, they could carve on the trees, and they could bring their items of worship to the gods, the many gods that they believed in. And uh, so Asa had to confront his grandmother and say to her, the grove has to go, and you are no longer the queen mother. So he meant business. It was a time of purging. I think the reason why this message meant so much to me, years ago I heard a definition of what idolatry was. And it it never has left me. You could put it this way, an idol is something or someone that you are expecting to do for you what only God can do. Idolatry is when we expect something to do for us what only God can do. Now you apply that to all of these people who had their idols. How does that, how does that even work? How does a person get connected to some object and believe that that object has some kind of power to aid their life or bless their life or help them in some way? I kind of think of it like this. You know, it, it might have started out with someone thinking, well, I, 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 need, I need something in my life. And they go out into the woods and they cut down a tree and uh, they, make, they make it stand up as tall as they want it to and they start with their hatchet or their knife, start carving on it and making it face and making, making it seem like it's got personality. And they, then they, they, they bring, because this thing is a, is a value to them, they bring their sacrifice. They bring, they, they bring their friends. 
And they pay homage and worship to this thing that eventually they take down and cut it into firewood and burn it up. Why in the world do people sometimes have so many idols? I even remember standing here and telling you that when I had gone to India and I I sat on an airplane across from a a Hindu uh, young man and talked to him about what he believed, I was just flabbergasted at the number of thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of gods that they have. Why do you need more than one? Because the first one just can't get the job done. The first one has no power. It can't help you in ways that God has to help us. When I applied that definition to myself, and the people that I spend so much time with, I had to to understand that that definition of idolatry means that there's a lot, there's a lot of idol worship in Baptist churches. Other churches. In fact, we're prone as human beings, to have idols. Something that I expect is going to do for me what only God can do. What are some things that only God can do? Only God can give you eternal life. Only God can give you the assurance and the peace that comes when you have eternal life. Only God can give you a sense of purpose in your life. A real sense of why you're here. Only God can meet with you in the times of the deepest needs of your heart. When you're lonely. Or you have these temptations around you to go after things in the world that have the promise of making you happy. I mean, we can, we can make a God. We can build our own God. It, it can be a house, and I don't believe there's anything wrong with a house. What's wrong is what's in our heart sometimes when we say, look what I have. Now I'm somebody. Now I feel like I, I'm, I'm a success. But I'm going to tell you, that can just go away in a hurry. What God could do for us is meet the very deepest needs of our heart. And when we get angry because of the circumstances around us, it may be because our God is letting us down. We're having an expectation of someone. Remember, it's something or it's someone that we have expectations of. You may have an expectation of your pastor. And when he doesn't meet that expectation, you're angry or upset about that. Well, you didn't call God to be there. You called a man who has needs himself. You may have, 
you, you may have expectations of the person that you married, that that person's going to make you happy. That person's going to fill the void in your life. That person's going to be perfect for you. Well, you pretty, you find out pretty quick. The person you married is not perfect and they have needs. They need God themselves. But when you, when, when you get skewed like that, and you, you begin to rely on people in an unhealthy way that unless you treat me right, unless you do right, unless you help me like I need, I'm, I'm not going to feel that love. So it's, it's important that we understand in the application here, even though we don't see these idols around us, Sometimes they're right in here. And that's really the message today is to let the Spirit of God help us understand if it's true of me, if it's true of you, that that idol needs to go. Not out the door, out of your heart. It needs, it needs to be dismissed and abandoned so that you are calling solely and completely on the Lord And then in a healthy way, the people and the things around you that you can enjoy and use. One of the things I had to to look up and find out about was these, these high places they had. What is a high place? A high place was something, I saw a picture one time of it, a picture of this uh, large area that was flat, raised up off the ground. I couldn't tell if it was stone or some kind of metal or whatever, but it was a flat structure about 26 to 28 feet long or wide, which would be about from that chair to the back of that piano. And it was flat, and it was a place where you could bring your idol. You could set your idol up there, your brand new idol, whatever it was, whatever it looked like, you find a place for it and you could come there and visit it. And, um, and it was just an important part of how they did idolatry. I remember as Vana was reading that the Scripture tells us there that the one thing left undone The Bible says that Asa did not remove the high places. Remove the idols, but the high places stayed. And I thought about that. I thought how easy it is if we make a place for idolatry in our life, it'll come. If we don't walk in a in a clear, committed relationship by faith in Jesus Christ, the idols, the things that we expect out of them are going to come back. The Bible says about Asa, which is, this is one part of the story I don't understand completely. The Bible says that 
even though he left the high places, his heart was perfect before God. I call this little section of the message uh, Ace's Slide because it was the beginning of a downhill slide in his life. I struggle with the word perfect because in my world, perfect means perfect, right? It means, uh, it means everything that's done is the right thing. And I don't know of anybody like that. But it was helpful to me when I, when I looked it up, I found the, the meaning of the word in the Hebrew language. And it's, it's, it has nothing to do with doing everything right. It's a word that means complete. It means whole. And it means peace. And I just, I kind of put those things together and thought, wow, what a picture of someone who is really putting their full weight upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when you do that, you become whole. You, you become a person complete because God made you for the purpose of having a relationship with Him. It's not religion. It's a living God. It's not a dead wooden God. It's our Father God. And He is real. So let's, um, let's learn a little bit about this slide. In the sixth and thirtieth year of the reign of Asa, Baasha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and built Ramah to the intent that he might let none go out or come in to Asa, king of Judah. Then Asa brought out silver and gold out of the treasures of the house of the Lord and of the king's house and sent to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, that dwelt at Damascus, saying, and I am in chapter 16, verse 3, There is a league between me and thee, as there was between my father and thy father. Behold, I have sent thee silver and gold. Go, break thy league with Baasha, king of Israel, that he may depart from me. And Ben-Hadad hearkened unto King Asa and sent the captains of his armies against the cities of Israel. And they smote Ijon and Dan and Abel-Maim and all the store cities of Naphtali. And it came to pass when Baasha heard it that he left off building of Ramah and let his work cease. Then Asa the king took all Judah and they carried away the stones of Ramah and the timber thereof wherewith Baasha was building and he built altar or he built there with Geba and Mizpah. And at that time, Hanani, the seer, came to Asa, king of Judah, and said unto him, Because thou hast relied on the king of Syria, and not relied on the Lord thy God, therefore is the host of the king of Syria escaped out of thine hand. Were not the Ethiopians and the Libyans a huge host with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet, because thou didst rely on the Lord, he delivered them into thine hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. Herein thou hast done foolishly. Therefore, from henceforth thou shalt have wars. So here is, here's the challenge. Uh, the, um, everything was, everything was good. Things were going well. 
But the king of Israel decided that he was going to build a, a little city. Now the, the layout, the layout of the land is this. Back in the days of David, um, Solomon, Jeroboam, Rehoboam, about the time that the, the land of, of, of Israel split. And so now Asa is king of Judah, which is the area in the, in southern Palestine, uh, where Jerusalem is. And, and Israel is the nation above that. And so there's that split. And then north of that is the country of Syria. So what happened was the king, the king of Israel decided to build a city right there north of, of, uh, of, of Asa's, uh, empire, his land. And the purpose of that is he wanted to stop all the flow of traffic that was coming from the north. So he is building this city with gates and bars and, uh, all kinds of restrictions, so that traffic couldn't come down. Uh, and um, so th- this created this created a flow of uh, a, a loss of flow of goods services that would be available. So it it was going to it was going to create a war. Now the last time Asa had a war. Uh, he immediately cried out upon his God. But this time, he didn't do that. But this time, he, he contacted the king of Syria on the other side of Israel. And he said, I'd like to make a, a bargain with you. I'll pay you money, and I want you to go to war uh, against Israel and my country, Judah, will fight from the south, and we will we'll force them out. Exactly what happened. And it was a success. Except not everything that we think is a success is really a success. We think we get the job done, but it's missing God's blessing. It comes with unwanted troubles like war, more war for example. And so he was visited by a prophet who said, what you've done is foolish. He said, because you have relied upon the king of Syria and not relied upon God, therefore thou hast done foolishly. So Asa, Asa was sliding, sliding in his fellowship, in his belief, in his anchor with God. And God sent a prophet, told him that this is the way God sees it, and you are foolish in what you've done, and becomes the uh, the location of a verse that I heard many, many years ago and didn't realize the context. 
verse that goes something like this, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth looking for a man whose heart is perfect toward him. That's what God is looking for in you. He wants to fill up the void that's missing in your life. If you've never come to Christ in a decision like that, you're going to find out all of your life that you are not a whole person until Jesus Christ comes in. Every other person, every, every other thing, every other uh, hobby, every other interest, it's all going to fail you. Your body will fail you. So God's looking for the heart that says, will you put aside any idols, things that you're expecting too much from? I've heard it said that when we feel ourselves getting angry at someone or we get worried about something, it may be a signal that God's getting ready to take away an idol from us. He's a jealous God. In the best kind of way. He wants you. He doesn't want anybody else to have you like He has you. And what He can do for you and what He can give to you. But you've got to believe that not only God is, but He he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. I don't know if God has spoken to your heart about that. But I think the end of the story, when I, when I think about what, what happens to Asa here, I, uh, I termed it the suffering of Asa because his life really begins to suffer as a result of his slide. This is verse 11 in the 16th chapter. And behold, the acts of Asa, first and last, lo, they are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. And Asa, in the thirty and ninth year of his reign, was diseased in his feet, until his disease was exceeding great. Yet in his disease he sought not to the Lord, but to the physicians. And Asa slept with his fathers and died in the one and fortieth year of his reign." A sad ending to a man's life. I thought it was interesting that in this day and time, when I was was reading that passage of scripture, that we're in the middle of COVID. And believe me, I I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, going to a doctor at all, but. In that particular case, something went wrong in Asa's heart. He began to think that the physicians could help him, could save him. He got diseased in his feet. Don't know what it was, but it ended up taking his life. And the sad thing is he went all the way to the end, disillusioned, because... 
he had con- he had just continued seeking after the Lord. I went to the doctor this week. I questioned as I, I read the story again, and the prophet the prophet had told Asa, because you relied on Syria, you relied on another nation to help you in this problem. Is it wrong to rely on people? Don't we have to rely on people? Yes. We do. We we do, but there's a deeper sense in which when we do that, it becomes idolatry. I'm not here able to tell you when that is in your heart. But I know in my own heart, God has searched it, told me there are things, there are things that, that I'm depending on, that I'm counting on, that are going to pass away. So don't. Count on me. Trust me with your whole heart. There's a song that we that we sing together. And I'm I'm going to I'm going to ask Vaughn if she would come play a little bit of that. And bow our heads. I'm going to ask the guys to put the words up. You can look at the words if you want to. But while you do that or heads bowed I want us to think about, I've, I've selected only one verse out of this song because I think it captures a, a decision that God wants us to make in our lives. Remember that Asa had a great start. But along the way, he was drawn away. And we can't let that happen to us. Spoil something wonderful and good that God has for every single person in this room. There's no one in here that God doesn't want you to cry out to Him. Ask Him to save you through the Lord Jesus Christ and His gift of life through His sacrifice. That's the start of a Christian life. But as you live out that Christian life, the chains, the fetters, as the song says, can get a hold of us and put us in a bondage to things and people that is unhealthy. Isn't it true? Our wandering heart. We're we're not in heaven. We're in a war. The evil one is out to grab us and destroy us. 
And our only hope is through our daily walk and trust, faith in Jesus Christ. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Lord, take and shield it. Shield it for thy courts above. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. And as Vana plays, I want you to feel free this morning. If you'd like to, if you'd like to come to the front and kneel here and say, God, I have, I have something to give you. I have an, an offering of this God that has meant so much to me. And I don't, I don't want to make more of it than it is. I don't want to make it something you never intended. So I give it to you. I surrender it to you because I love you, Lord. You can do that on your knees by your chair if you want to do that this morning. I'm just going to ask for a little bit that Vana will play. And as she does, you respond. Then I'm going to ask Brother Chad when he feels like it's appropriate to come and close the service. join me as we pray. Father, as we've heard your word this morning, I think if we are honest, we see ourselves in Asa. Many of us, with great excitement, received your grace and began to walk faithfully with you. And even in hard decisions, You gave us the grace to trust you, and we did, and we saw fruit in our lives. And yet, comfort set in, or compromise set in. In some ways, we've seen some of that fruit as well. So your word has come to us today, and it has the unique ability to divide our hearts and to to reveal our motives of what's really going on right now. And we invite you to expose false worship, worship for idolatry of empty things. So that as we've been called away at this time to worship you and to hear from you, we can confess that and leave this morning forgiven, realigned to be the men, women, and young men and women you want us to be and carry out your mission. So hear our prayers of confession. We are sorry. We're we're no different than Asa. We're no different than the Israelites of this pattern that we see. But we do want to be different and that we've received your forgiveness. And we don't want our lives to end as Asa's did. But we want to finish strong. By your help and your grace, we confess this to you. We receive this forgiveness. Now empower us to be the men, the women, the boys and girls you want us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.